Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. To you ask what is our aim, I can answer in one word, victory. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. Hello, welcome to Leading Good, uh, a podcast hosted by myself and Russ Yule. We don't believe in good leaders since we all have weaknesses and shortcomings, and but we do believe that people can lead others to do good. Today, I want to talk about, I want to get a little political on the podcast today. Political. And I want to talk about uh, the top 10 ranked presidents and why. Because uh, when I was looking at the top 10 rankings of the 2017 C-SPAN presidential historian survey which pulled 91 historians they they had the top 10 and i found it interesting because i found some commonalities amongst the the ranked 10 through 6 and then 5 through 1 so russ i want to throw some of these guys at you throw them at me and then we could talk about it lbj lebron james is he on there lbj is on here okay LeBron James made it. LeBron James, 2045 or whatever. (laughs) So again, I just want to focus on the top 10 and uh, also to contextualize it for everybody. So historians evaluated these based on the 10 qualities of a presidential presidential leadership, including economic management, international relations, uh, citizen leadership, public persuasion skills, and whether they pursued equal justice for all. So... I found that also interesting, yeah. and I want to do a podcast on that at a later time. So, a little preview, a little teaser for the people out there. Wow, you're going all presidential on me here. For sure. I'm going to rank uh, number 10 uh, through number 6. So, number 10, we have Lyndon Johnson, LBJ. Number 9, Ronald Reagan. Ooh, I like the graphics. People who are listening can't see the graphics. I like the graphics. Wait a minute. Who's the guy next to uh, Truman? Yeah, Truman. No, I know who Truman is. Who's that guy? Uh, Thomas Jefferson. That does not look like Thomas Jefferson, but okay. Google Images has betrayed I, us. I, I don't go with Google Image Search. Google, I've done Google Image Searches and come up with people who don't look anything like you. All right, let's keep going. That's Thomas Jefferson at a young, uh, young surly age. He looks old. Um, so 10, Lyndon Johnson. 9, Ronald Reagan. 8, John F. Kennedy. Number 7, Thomas Jefferson. And number 6, Harry Truman. So we're just going to stay in this zone for the moment. Okay. But the thing I, I want to talk about and the thing that I noticed that all these guys scored well in yeah. is vision. Knowing that these guys wanted to create the America that they want or build the America that they wanted or mm. or shape America into what they want it to be. Okay. Um, and then why is it important for a leader to have vision and to know what they want to build? Because I think, for example, Thomas Jefferson, right? Uh, he's kind of the earliest one on that uh, on that list, and he ranked high in his vision and agenda setting, and he was one of the principal authors for the Declaration of Independence. Um, and so he was a guy who, even from day one, shaped what America was going to become and was an influencer amongst his peers. You liked Thomas Jefferson. Ah, well, I liked him. Uh, I liked watching him on that uh, John Adams doc, uh, not docu-series. HBO but, series. Yeah, the HBO series. Yeah. Um, but I found it so interesting that all these guys really had a great vision for, and when they picked up you know, the mantle of president and they wanted to shape uh, America. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of these presidents. So the first, so, so you're, the first thing you're saying is that the thing that attracted you to these particular ones, these these are the ones that are ranked 
10 through 6 is, uh, is, a, is their vision. Correct. All right, and you want to know what I think. Well, I want to know what you think uh, about what it means to be a, a leader that has vision as well as why is it important for people who are in a leadership role, whether in their community, in, at their job, or yeah. even in their, in their uh, immediate family or, yeah. or extended family, whatever. Like, why is it important for us to have uh, vision? And when we step into a leadership role, yeah. I think we can ex- uh, talk about these different presidents and the, and the vision that they also had for yeah. the country at the time that took over. Right. But what say you? Well, I think, um, you know, vision is important to lead good because usually when you're doing good, there isn't a direct profit from it. So if, uh, uh, I forget the name of that shoe company that they give a portion of money to Tom's. Yeah. Tom's, um, they're going to make money off their shoes. That's how they make their money. But they didn't necessarily know they were going to be rewarded with greater product sales when they decided to donate a portion of the sales to doing good things. But they were. A lot of people were attracted to the brand because they were like, okay, I got to buy a pair of shoes. I'm going to get a pair of Toms because they have this vision of we want to do good. And now there are even advocates that say, if you want to run a company, even a for-profit company, you want to make sure you're doing something good because there are like uh, uh, climate, climate good, environmentally good it attracts those people. So if people are into the environment, they're going to buy your product because you give to the environment. If they're into saving whales or protecting dolphins or whatever it may be, they're going to come and buy your product. So I think you have to have a vision that goes beyond just making money uh, because I think people don't, they're not going to give you their money just because, you know, they're like, oh, we just want to give you that. So I think in building an organization, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit, people need to be inspired. I think that's what vision is about. Vision is a tough one to start with, though. Because I don't know. So, for instance, let me take these guys. Uh, Lyndon Johnson's vision was the Great Society. Correct. Some people don't like that because they feel like that's what put us on the course of an extraordinary dependence by a lot of people on government instead of them creating opportunities for themselves by hard work. And that's a big political discussion that's loaded with racism and sexism and all that. But, and it's way outside my depth. <laughs> well, and, and but, the, but his was a Great Society. Uh, Ronald Reagan's. Uh, Shining City on a Hill. Uh, John F. Kennedy, Great Frontier. Uh, I don't know of any vision Harry Truman had. I'm unaware of it. I think he was a great president, I do. But I don't know that he had a vision. Some people might say, well, he had an international relations vision for the world and was part of after dropping the nuclear bomb, which puts him on the, you know, a lot of people's not good president list. Mm -hmm. But, But I don't know about his vision. And Thomas Jefferson, well, he's a tricky one because you're talking about a guy who said he believed in a, a, a less strong president and ruled by, ruled, ruled by the people. But when he became president, he, he governed totally different than that. And who was a slave owner with something like 300 plus slaves. When he wrote the Declaration of Independence, he said all men are equal and all that. But then he had 300 plus slaves and never set them go. George Washington, who I believe is ranked number two on this list, he when he died, he let his slaves go free. So I think when you talk about vision and, and Thomas Jefferson's vision, and I love Thomas Jefferson, I think there's a lot of skill sets that he had as a leader, but I think his is a, a vision that's a little compromised by yeah. he didn't actually execute it, but he did write it. Mm-hmm. So the question comes, how important is vision to leadership? I think that it is essential to defining what you're trying to do and getting buy-in from other people. So Shining City on a Hill, 
Uh, I believe unemployment among blacks and Latins was extraordinarily low under Reagan. So there was a shining city on a hill. But Mario Como's speech at the 1984 uh, Democratic Convention, he said, I know our president talks about a shining city on a hill, but I want to take him to places he's not been and to see people he's not seen to know what's going on in these places, which are not a shining city on the hill. So so. I think part of what they did, all of them did, I can't think of Harry Truman's vision, but all of them did it was great is they had a vision. Yeah. And then with our what, what, what it is, is we try to live for a more perfect union. So I think part of having a vision is saying, I may not perfectly live it. I may not perfectly execute on it, but I know it's right. I know it's the truth. And I think that that, is, that attracts people. And so I, I think each one of them, attracted a significant number of people to follow them because they had that vision. I just don't know what Harry Truman's vision was. Do you? Uh, not really. He kind of fell into the uh, the next category of people, which we'll get to. But I do think the the on this continued topic of vision, like, it, as you said, like, people were willing to follow you, but also these guys, he, he they compelled people to vote for them, which I think at the end of the day, right, strategically, that's what you need to do, right, mm-hmm. to win a presidency. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting that, like, I think of uh, Lyndon Johnson, who's ranked number 10 on this on this list, is that he, I would say at the time, right, he didn't think he was necessarily going to be president because he was vice president that's before right. JFK got assassinated. Yeah. But he almost, he picked up the mantle that John F. Kennedy had started because if if I remember correctly, yes, you're right. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because politics is not my strong suit. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm I'm deferring to you on some well, of I'm these things. I'm not an expert, but, but I've been studying it since I was about ten. You've read a few more books than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think presidents are some of the best people to learn from because of the massive organizational challenge, because they have to be able to select people in an extraordinary way. And one thing you can say about all these people, including Truman, is that I think Truman had a vision. For, 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 for getting America through um, World War II, mm-hmm. and I think that is probably what would be his vision, is yeah. we've got to win this war, and then we've got to move it ahead. I also think he was a plain-spoken guy who's, he, you know, he started out as like a city commissioner. Really? And so I think, yeah, in Kansas, actually in a political machine that got him in the elections. And one of the things that was thrown against him is he was owned by that political machine and oh, didn't have man. any opinions of his own. Very tough guy. But I think part of Truman's vision, I would say, and again, I'm not a presidential expert. you got to go to Michael Beschkloss and Doris Kearns Goodwin and people like that to get the, the and I, I forgot, David McAuliffe, I think, wrote the biography of Truman that's probably the preeminent biography. But I think what, what, what we said is he was extraordinary in his vision for the everyday person. Yes. Making sure the everyday person was going to get something from government that they needed. And he also, I think, had a discipline in restraining power. He was the the guy who was like, I'm not into my charisma, and I'm I've, I've, I'm I'm some plain spoken guy, and I've got a I've got a deal that's going to take care of everyday life. So I, I think what you're trying to do and and get into is is you have to have a vision. I think the difficulty with a lot of these guys is Reagan and Kennedy were probably two of the most charismatic people. So yeah. there's a difference between charisma and vision. Vision is I know where I'm trying to take us. Truman, I know I'm trying to get us out of World War II, save as many lives as we can, and then rebuild America and restart it so that America, on his watch and beyond, 
became like the dominant nation in the in the world. And he and, and then Jefferson went, I see a vision of a country that I'm not necessarily able to make happen, but it's a country where people are equal and there's freedom for people. People can be who they are, they can believe what they want. I definitely think he he envisioned that. He took that from a lot of other people. I think Kennedy caught us at a time after after uh uh after the war was completely over when people were like, okay, what are we going to do now? Where do we go now? Yeah. How do we handle this Cold War with Russia? Mm-hmm. And so I think he had – and I think you can go down the line. Uh, I think Reagan I, – I grew up – I was a big sort of Democrat guy when I was a kid. And then after going through some Democratic candidates that disappointed me that didn't – I did not think have vision. I don't want to be negative. I think these are good guys. McGovern and Carter. I felt like they did not have a vision for the country. Mm. And the country got depressed – uh, Carter gave a speech on the malaise of America. Wow. And what Reagan did that is he showed depressing. up and he said, let me tell you something. America's not got malaise. We're a shining city on a hill. We, you know, we are the, we are the bright beacon of freedom. He had all these things yeah. and it made you feel good about being an American. And, and I think Johnson came through at a time after Kennedy died. Everybody yeah. was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? And he came through and grabbed this agenda, drove through civil rights, uh, made sure people had all kinds of programs. Uh, I don't even know them all. Enhancing unemployment and all that. So I think each guy made people go, you know what? The world is going to be better because these guys are in power. Yes. And I believe, I think they believe. And I think that's what vision's about is can you convince people that you have a vision that's not about your advancement? Because I think each of them had a vision that was not about their advancement, but about the advancement of the country. Yeah. So that's, I took a long time to get there, but I think that's probably what vision's about. Do you have a vision that's bigger than about you and your ambition and what you want to accomplish? And I know that's what I've learned in my life. When I've been a good, a good leader uh, or leading good, it's been when I've been about other people seeing the dreams of their lives come true. When I've been about me, I've been, I've not been, I've been, I've not led good. Great. I, I, think, I don't know how good that was, but hopefully people enjoy that. No, I think that was great. That was on the nose, I think, uh, and where we wanted to get to. move on to number two? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's oh, go to okay. the next, the top five. Let's go to the top five. Top, oh, um, we're skipping to the top five. Okay. No, we're going, we're going to uh, the top five on the 2017 C-SPAN Presidential Historian Survey. Oh, I got it. Top five is uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt at number four. Number three, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Ooh, I love these graphics, man. I could watch these all day. Hey, man, we're just trying to prepare a little bit for us. You did. Um, number two, George Washington. And the number one, Abraham Lincoln. Again, I'll run through that. Dwight D. Eisenhower, five, four, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt, three, Franklin D. Roosevelt, two, George Washington, and one, Abraham Lincoln. And so the thing, the commonality that as I was looking through these things, through these rankings, I saw all these guys scored well, or historians scored them well in 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 the category of quote crisis leadership. Yeah, that means war. Well, yeah, war. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things were going on uh, during these guys' presidency. But I think the crisis leadership topic made me think about staying calm, being able to make the tough decisions when 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 necessary. Yeah, but as well, um, you know. For me, I'm a little bit of like uh, a nervous Nelly, a, uh, an anxious individual, so I can right. worry. And so when I see these guys and I see how they responded, you know, during their present presidency and yeah. throughout history, is there was a level of calmness, a level of poise um, when there's turmoil around them, yeah. right? Specifically to these different wars that were going on. Yeah. Um, but I think the the question that kind of came into my into my head was. You know why is a calming presence important to for for someone who's a leader? 
it, we can't just respond to the to the change of the wind, you know, as, as someone who's leading a nonprofit or for profit or yeah. or what have you is um, is is a level of calmness. And then even because I don't know if that's a question, if that's something a calmness, is that something like I can think that that's. I'm not born with that, so then I can't do that. You know what I mean? I kind of get. Well, too I think much. a lot of these guys weren't born with it either. Well, okay, well, then that's a good thing for us to to talk about because I think there's the I can get a little down myself and like, oh, I wasn't born born with that. But I think people can maybe develop that or develop that part of them to be able to have a calmness in the middle of crisis. Um, yeah. And, so, like as you're talking about them, because I'm getting my head around it. This yeah. is a this is a challenging topic in some ways. I know about all these presidents. I've read about them for a long time. Um. The rankings are interesting because I cannot I cannot see Harry Truman at number six. Okay. Um, um, and I would definitely put Lyndon Johnson up there a little further than number ten. Um, but I know they had their categories. Uh, it's amazing John F. Kennedy makes it because he he wasn't president very long, and there are a lot of people said he didn't do that much. I have a view on that. But let me just address your your crisis leadership thing. So, you know, Dwight D. Eisenhower basically managed the World War II yeah. victory. And then I think he was, you know, I think loath to go into office as president. But I don't know. I don't I don't know what crisis like the crisis he dealt with. He de- it says here he desegregated the U.S. armed forces and he obtained a truce after years of war in Korea. Mm hmm. Hmm. Well, even too, like if he's leading the the he oversaw you know the American armed forces right during World but this War is II. presidency correct, but he he showed the the people that he could be calm and oh absolutely you know yeah I mean? yeah, yeah. Like, I think during the years of his presidency things were extraordinarily calm yeah I think he I think he you know what people want today that you hear a lot of people criticizing is where's the calmness where's the president who calms us down yeah who shows us the way who helps us understand because I think a lot of the polarization we experience today and a lot of the sort of angst is is because you need a president who can steer you through that yeah who can sort of by example and by his words get you through it I I, I think the thing you're hitting on here is okay there's it it seems like you got two key things you want to look at vision and crisis leadership right yeah. Um, I want to add something. Uh, I want to, I want to add, I want to add the journey of leadership because I think if you look at each of these guys, one of the reasons they had vision and one of the reasons that they managed well in crisis is it's well recorded that Lincoln lost just about every election possible before he became president. Yeah. George Washington, I think only won two battles in the revolutionary war. Maybe prior to that in the French and Indian war, he'd lost, he lost far more battles than he ever won. Uh, and, he, and, and he won and, the ones that counted, though, right? I would argue that he did, but I'm just saying that the <laughs> yeah. development of a leader. A lot of times, people go, "Well, the leader it wins all the time. Uh, the leader never mm. loses." Well, the top two guys lost a lot, didn't win all the time, but like you said, they won the important ones, or it was their losses that made them able to get the big win. So you say. What was the most important thing? Lincoln managed this through the Civil War, which most people would say defined us as a nation. Washington led us to have a country that did not have a king or a dictator by saying, I could be, I don't want to be. And so that choice changed the presidency and what it could be. Uh, When you look at FDR, he got polio and he spent a – he was a brilliant guy, awesome in personality, dynamic. Then he got polio and it wrecked his life. And yet he came through that 
a totally different person. Some great biographies on that. I wish I had the list of the biographies. And so he was transformed by that. Theodore Roosevelt was like uh, he was the police commissioner for New York. I think he was a governor of New York. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole process he went through. He was a a naturalist who who went all around protecting nature. He did a lot of that. Like he was a writer. He did all these things. I think that made him who he was. And so I think there's a process. Eisenhower. He he you know he 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 never he never led troops in battle you know even when he was low ranked he was a was he, he was ever basically an administrative guy oh and he was incredibly good at management and I've read a couple of biographies and I may I may have forgotten the times he fought but I don't I don't remember him actually physically being like he wasn't like, like Patton yeah actually was in war yes uh, Bradley was in war. Eisenhower was not like in it. Now he I'm not saying he couldn't handle a gun and wouldn't wasn't willing to fight, but his greatest skill was not as a general on the ground. Yeah. His greatest skill was diplomatically getting Britain and all those people to come through. But when you watch his life, it was um I think it was um uh, it was George Marshall, who was the head of all 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 the US forces at the time, who picked Dwight Eisenhower out as a as a young officer and said, I want to pull this guy in and develop him hmm. and and called him in his office said, I want you to develop a plan for us uh, in, uh, uh, entering World War II. Where, where we're going to enter? Are we going to enter from uh, a main mainland, sort of mainland Europe, or are we going to come from North Africa? I think that was it. And mm-hmm. he developed that. So he had this whole process of being a young officer, then being found in the crowd, literally in the mm-hmm. crowd, and then being brought up. It's a really incredible story. So it's a process. Uh, when you look at Truman, he didn't even want to be vice president. It was a fluke. Really? Then, yeah. He wasn't like he, – he, they grabbed him, and, and FDR didn't include him in any meetings. When he became president, he didn't even know what was going on. The, he Did walked in and was like, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure all we've been doing here. Because FDR was like, no, nah, I don't want him in the room. I don't, I don't, I don't need him. He had his own team. And def- no, nah, vice president wasn't, wasn't like it is today. And so Truman came up, like I said, I think he was like a city commissioner and all these things in Kansas. And it was a whole process. Jefferson, he failed as governor of Virginia. When the British came into Virginia, he ran away. And he was criticized throughout his whole career for running away when the British were coming in to, I think, take Richmond or whatever it was yeah. instead of staying and fighting. And so he had, and he, like I said, he was a slave owner. So he had this extraordinary process of becoming a leader. And you look at Kennedy, you know, Kennedy was actually the, the, the goof off, uh, not serious, real reader, real thinker, but not like serious about being a leader, party guy. And then his brother dies in a, in, in a, in a plane mission in World War II. And after he dies in that plane mission, Joseph Kennedy, the father, says, you're now the guy who's got to be president. So he had to suddenly go from being this not not, you know, party guy, hang out with his friends, all that to being a very serious guy. Now, the war made him that way in part. But I think he had to really like go, Okay, I don't get to fool around. I get. So, yeah, if you watch it and people are going to look at the bad things they say he did. And certainly each guy has I have all of us have problems. But his process of development was extraordinary. When you look at Reagan, Reagan was an actor. Yeah. His only He's one of the most famous actors in Hollywood at, well, uh, when he was younger. Yeah, I don't know about famous. I mean, he was known. He wasn't a major actor. No? He was a B actor. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But he, I knew him no from Clark doing... no Clark Gable or nothing? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Um, but but he, was, he was a legit actor. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to take anything away from him. But yeah. he was a B actor. 
but he was president of the Actors Guild. Oh. And that's where he got his first experience in leadership. And then he worked for GE as a spokesman. And that's where he honed his conservative ideas. He started out as a Democrat. And he honed his conservative ideas. Now, some people will, will point at some of these guys, well, yeah, his conservative ideas didn't include minorities and all that. I'm not debating all the policy things. What I'm saying is there's a process he went through to become who he became. Lyndon Johnson, now that guy wanted to be a politician and powerful from day one. But can you guess what his first job was and what he studied in school? I think it was his first job. I mean, first significant job. Was he a janitor or something? After college. After college? Okay. Okay. Um, police department? I teacher. A teacher? And I believe he taught underprivileged kids who were African-American kids, which when you look at that and you, you look at that, that role as a teacher and you see what he later on did, a guy who used the N-word is a guy, that was him, is the guy who did more to give African-Americans rights in the country. And I'm not saying he did it all willingly and all that, but wow. he got it done with Martin Luther King. He got, he got the political part done. Martin Luther King had the cultural part. Yeah. And he had to have Lyndon Johnson do the political part. Um, that's so interesting because I, 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 I need to go probably read up on that because that's super interesting because yeah. that kind of reveals a little bit about him as a person. He's and a like, tough guy. Though. You read about him, man. You want to talk about somebody. Like if he, <laughs> if he was in the Senate right now, yeah. he would be president because when he was in the Senate, it was like he was president. He would run the show? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you should read about it. There's a whole series called The Master of the Senate. Extraordinary. Extraordinary education, what the Senate is, how the Senate works. The bottom line is, and I'm going to get political here for a minute. The bottom line is there's nobody in the Senate that can run the Senate the way Lyndon Johnson did. Mitch McConnell's a nice guy. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything negative about anybody, but he doesn't even belong in the same sentence as Lyndon Johnson. So my position would be this. Though you said vision and crisis mm-hmm. leadership. But I think the thing that's often neglected about leadership is no one ever talks about the process. No one ever talks about all that people have to go through in life to arrive at a point where they're useful. Winston Churchill was the same. He like becomes prime minister, something he longed to do from very early in his life at, in his 60s, his mid, I think he's 66. And people just ignore the whole process. And I think that's the part of the problem we have in leadership is that we want these finished products. Hmm. We're like, give me this finished product. Why can't this guy do this right now? You, as a country or an organization, you have to have the patience to say, I'm going to let a guy do all this stuff that is dumb. It's not serious. Like people are looking on Twitter and other places and finding stuff, say, well, this person said this once and they're now evil and I'm not going to have them you know, lead anything or be in charge. Okay, here's the problem. N- none of these guys would have been president if we took the approach we took, we take now a little bit of microscopic examination of their life. Hmm. None of them. And some people say, well, maybe good riddance. Thomas Jefferson should have never been president. Okay. Let's say Thomas Jefferson was never president. Okay. Let's say Thomas Jefferson was banished immediately because he wouldn't give up his slaves. Okay. Let's say that. You know what you don't have? The Declaration of Independence? <laughs> no, he did that before he was president. Oh, okay. Okay. Louisiana Purchase? Bingo. I know that. That's like Bingo. one third of the United States, basically, Bingo. right? Bingo. You got no California. You got no Texas. You, you America is basically the 18, 20 colonies. Hmm. There's a lot of implications for when you look and you say, well, this person was evil and wicked and they should have never been president. I mean, it's just a lot of things. If Reagan doesn't become president, I, I'm not being a Democrat or a Republican. I'm independent. 
If Reagan doesn't become president, does America ever lift itself out of the deep, deep, deep discouragement of Watergate, the Vietnam War? Carter couldn't pull us out of it. Do hmm. they ever do it? And you say, well, he was he was not he was a racist. Some people say he's a racist. He 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 hurt blacks. I think there's an argument for, for him, his policies not doing a lot for African-Americans. But a lot of people don't know when he was a governor of Los, a governor of California, he would oftentimes go to dinner in, in inner city Los Angeles with an African-American family and eat dinner. Some of us, uh, he never talked about it. So, you know, there's there's a process. Yeah. And I think you're never going to get perfect. And I think one of the challenges we face in America in the 21st century is that as a country, we don't understand that if you really want great leaders – all of them are going to have something wrong with them. Yeah. And and the real challenge is, can the people look at that and admire that process? And I'm not saying that we should have them be president when they're criminals or something. I'm saying <laughs> that... That'd be interesting. I, well, I'm just saying that when, when, when we look at their past, we need to be able to look at it with the perspective of not what did they do, but who have they become. Hmm. I think that's a good place for me to stop. I totally agree. Well... Everybody trust the process, embrace it, love it. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out restfuel.com for more leading good content. And also, please subscribe. All right. Check out the latest episodes. Leave a five-star, five-star only rating and review for us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Man, you sound like you're going to do the advertisers next. Maybe. Leading good, where we have cool graphics. We're out. (laughs) 